Let me invite you to take your Bibles and open with me to Exodus chapter 20. Continue our sermon series through Exodus and continue this morning uh, through the uh, Ten Commandments. Today, looking at the uh, Third Commandment. If you have not brought a Bible with you this morning, our passage is found on page 61 in the Pew Bibles in the pew racks in front of you. As we have uh, talked about earlier, as we came to chapter 20, the chapter of the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are basically God-focused. Commandments 5 to 10 focus on how we treat uh, others. And today we come to commandment number three. We are going to Look simply at verse 7. Hear the word of the Lord. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. Our God, we thank you. Uh, that you are a majestic and holy God. And we pray today that you would write your word on our hearts. Uh, we pray, O oh God, that you would sanctify us, that we would keep your commandments, and that we would always seek to honor your holy name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most famous lines from Shakespeare is from Romeo and Juliet, where Juliet says, What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. In other words, Juliet's point is a name is indifferent. What does it matter? What, or what matters, she says here, is what something is, not what it's called. Well, in the Bible, God's name is not indifferent. It is significant. It is holy. In fact, Scripture repeatedly exalts the name of God. Psalm 8.1 that we just sang. O Lord, our God, our, o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 29.2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Psalm 66.2, sing the glory of his name. Psalm 103.1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. The third commandment, as the first two, state, is stated as a negative. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But let's begin with, this morning, with a basic presupposition. Let's begin with the positive. So first of all, let's 
look at the importance of God's name. The importance of God's name. And then we'll talk about ways that we take God's name in vain or what is forbidden in this commandment. The importance of God's name. First, let's reflect on the Lord's Prayer. This this negative command, of course, has a parallel in the New Testament when Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name in the Lord's Prayer. That is the positive parallel to this command, hallowed be your name. God's name is more than a label. It is not indifferent as Juliet says, it stands for all that God is. Brian Brown, in his Sunday school class this morning, stole my thunder here, quoting Psalm 27, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We don't just trust in This name, what do we trust in? We trust in all that he is. We trust in the person. We trust in the strength. We trust in the character. We trust in the faithfulness of the Lord. That's what we're saying there. That's what David is saying there in Psalm chapter 20. And so when... Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be thy name. The root of that word hallowed, as most of you know, is what? It's holy. Hallowed be your name. May it be treated as holy. It is holy. May it be treated as holy. So what do we do when we come to God in prayer? We come recognizing that God is a holy God. We come with awe. We come with reverence. We don't come flippantly. We don't come casually. God is a holy God. We see examples in scripture of People who don't come properly. Even even one case, and really in, perhaps in both cases, well, well, well intended. In 2 Samuel 6, when the ark of God was being transported and David was, was leading the way, Uzzah touched the, the ark because the, the, there was the the animal stumbled, or an animal stumbled, and he just wanted to steady the ark, but because he touched it in an unauthorized way, God struck him dead. Or, of course, as we saw last week, we touched, talked about Nadab and Abihu, who brought a sacrifice in, but it was unauthorized. God struck them dead on the spot. God is to be Treated as holy, the Lord says there in that chapter in Numbers, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. His name is to be hallowed. Turn back with me to 
Exodus chapter 3. Of course, we've already been there, done that, bought that t-shirt. But in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, we see God reveal himself to Moses. Moses, when Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, that is Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Thus I am to be remembered throughout your generations. I am, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. The word Yahweh is basically what it means, the, the one who is, the one who, the being one. It's enigmatic. God is, he is, he just is, self-existent. He's unchanging, he is not becoming. He is eternal, ever-present, and active, inexhaustible, beyond our comprehension, except as he reveals himself. His name is All that God is, all that he does, his person, his glory. As we say, how majestic is your name, how majestic are you, O God. We take God's name seriously because we take God seriously. Also because... God seeks his glory and we seek his glory. In fact, that's the purpose of the Exodus, as we've seen. Psalm 106 verse 8 says, He saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. And God's name is a gift and it's a blessing for his people. You know, there are many Jews who don't write the name of God, who don't pronounce the name of God because they don't want to blaspheme. But God's name is a, is a gift for us. It's a blessing for us. God has given it to us, but we are not to take it in vain. God has given us knowledge. God has given us access, and it is And it is personal. I don't know if you've ever gotten your name said wrongly. Back in the days when, for you young people, back in the dark ages when there used to be landlines, we didn't have cell phones. Um, You know, we'd get those uh, calls uh, trying to solicit, trying to get us to buy things. And, you know, I'd often answer the phone and 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 someone on the other end would say Mr. Barsley 
And I knew two things about this person when they said Mr. Barsley. I said I knew one thing. First of all, they didn't know phonics. And second of all, they didn't know me. But when you know someone's name, you have a personal uh, inside connection with that person. God's name is to be used. It is a gift from God, but it is important. It's not to be misused. So second, that's the commandment itself. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. It's a commandment against the misuse of God's name. And that's what this commandment speaks to. Not its use, but its misuse. What does it mean to be in vain? Literally, it means in an empty way. In an empty way. G.I. Packer says this, any use or involvement of God's name that is empty, frivolous, or insincere. Empty, frivolous, or insincere. It deals with our speech, but it can also, as, as, our, as our confessions uh, put it, it can be broader than that. But first of all, let's deal with it in our speech, misusing God's name in our speaking. We can do this in a number of different ways. The language here, you shall not take, literally means to lift up or to take up. Lift up or take up the Lord's name in vain. Uh, In its original setting, this language typically was the language of the courtroom. That's what it uh, primarily uh, referred to. It referred to um, forbidding, harming the name and reputation of God through taking a false oath in uh, the courtroom. Taking of oaths, indeed, are biblical. Uh, we see it many times. They are biblical, including we can use the term biblically, so help me God. That is biblically allowable. But to appeal to God and then break your oath, that is to take God's name in vain. To bring God's name and honor into disrepute. Now there are many other implications as well. Uh, Thomas Watson has 12 or 14 uses uh, in this way. Some of them are fairly clear to us, I think. We think about these when we think about taking the Lord's name in vain. Profanity, of course. We hear this all the time. It's one of the most popular ways that we hear God's name being taken in vain. This, of course, is extremely offensive to Christians. But sometimes even Christians or professing Christians uh, do this. That it must not be on our lips in vain. Phil Riken in his commentary actually makes the argument that the popularity of the Lord's name as a curse word actually proves the existence of God. It comes from the heart. 
in other words. When you say a curse word, it actually comes from the heart and deep down people know that there is a God. They rage, as Riken says, against his honor. Of course, it's hard to be around, if you're a Christian, it's hard to be around those who do use the Lord's name in vain. Rob Shank, in his book on the Ten Commandments, uh, writes, writes the following incident. He says, some years after a long speaking itinerary in the Midwest, I boarded a late night flight to return home. I was tired and looking forward to a rest. Sitting behind me in the airplane were two salesmen whose conversation was peppered with profanity. I had finally had it when they began running the Lord's name into the gutter. I raised myself up from my seat and turned around so that I was looking down on them from my perch. Then I asked, are either of you in the ministry? The one in the aisle seat raised his eyebrows incredulously and said, what the blank would ever make you think that? Well, I am in the ministry, I said with a smile, and I am amazed at your communication skills. You just said, God, damn, hell, and Jesus Christ in one sentence. I can't get all of that into a whole sermon. They both blushed, and I didn't hear another word from them for the remainder of the flight. That might be a good way sometimes to uh, respond to others who take the Lord's name in vain. Profanity. Other uses of God's name. Oh my G. Or even a careless, flippant, praise the Lord which some people do. It's also possible to take God's name in vain in our worship. Isaiah, and Jesus repeats in Matthew 15, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now we're getting a little bit closer to home. Honor me with their lips, But their hearts are far from me. Sometimes we come in casually. We come in unprepared for worship. Worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is something that we come to be involved with and give our hearts to. We come with reverence and awe. We cannot come Lightly. David Wells, in one of his books, a wonderful trilogy of books, the second one, God in the Wasteland, talks about, uses the expression, the weightlessness of God, not only in our society, but in our churches. The weightlessness of God. The, the word glory literally means heavy. We, we glorify God by recognizing his weightiness. His weightiness. And yet, as Dr. Wells points out, there is weightlessness 
in much of contemporary, much of Christianity today. Oftentimes superficial, lacking in depth, oftentimes human-centered and not God-centered. You know, we, have, we, often, we often get upset about government and schools removing God from public life, but oftentimes this is happening in our churches. Uh, recently, my brother Alex, was, uh, who, who uh, every Friday does evangelism on the streets, Uptown in Charlotte. And by the way, I realized after I was calling, naming the lawyers in our church, I forgot about Alex, who sits right up front. But he was talking with, told me a story of talking with a young man who wanted to talk about his experiences, talking about himself and his experiences. And Alex said, No, let's, let's talk about God. Let's talk about God. This is not about your experience, but about God. Another way we do it is by invoking God's name in a promise and, and fail to keep it. We need to mean what we say. Another way to use it in vain is not to use or avoid, avoid breaking this commandment by not to use his name for a personal advantage. Remember the story in Acts chapter 19 of the sons of, the sons of Sceva who saw Paul do miracles in Jesus' name, and they tried to drive out an evil spirit, quote, in the name of Jesus that Paul proclaims. And the evil spirit responds to them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And he attacked them, and they fled naked and bleeding. Not use the name for personal advantage. Or perhaps someone has come up to you, maybe in today's language, God told me to tell you such and such. Well, here's your response. Ah, I don't see that here. But there are other ways. Other ways to break the third commandment. The third commandment is broader than just speaking. It can apply to our whole lives. It speaks to any claim we make relating to God's name. Perhaps most importantly, we claim to be his people, but we live as if we are not. We claim to be his people, but we live as if we are not. Paul says in Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. Of course, that's what we call hypocrisy. The Puritan Stephen Charnock wrote, It is a sad thing to be Christians at supper. Heathens in our shops and devils in our closets. 
Michael Reeves, a wonderful theologian, his, his books are outstanding. Michael Reeves has written, recently written a book on hypocrisy. And he describes hypocrisy as the hidden cancer in our churches. The hidden cancer in our churches. And he, he basically builds off of Jesus' warning to his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. It spreads throughout the whole Spurgeon said this, the hypocrite is very often an exceedingly neat imitation of the Christian. To the common observer, he is so good a counterfeit that like leaven, he entirely escapes suspicion. And yet, like leaven or yeast, it can be transformative. Bottom line Here is that the third commandment is a sin against God, but it is bad for us individually, and it has consequences for the community of faith. And thus this commandment ends with a strong warning, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. As Thomas Watson puts it in his book, this is an example of meiosis, less is said and more is intended. In other words, the Lord will punish. Why? Because God takes his name seriously. And God takes commitment to his name seriously. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The name of Jesus was on their lips, but it was never in their hearts. Christ's name is above all names. We are saved by the name of Jesus. We've been baptized into the name of Jesus. If we are Christians, we are called by Christ's Name and in our lives, brothers and sisters, we are called to honor that name. Let's pray. Our God, how we thank you that we indeed who have believed in Christ are called by his name. And we pray that in our speech and in our lives, we would uphold the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would not take his name in vain, either in speech or action. So, O God, we pray for your grace day by day to live as becomes the followers of Christ 
And it's in his name we pray. Amen.